What's good, fam? This is your boy Dijon, and this is how to be a motherfucking legend. Yeah! This is the place to be for inspiration and the realization of your full creative potential. Uh huh. Each episode, we're gonna be sharing tips uh. and insights to help you unlock the greatness that is already inside of you. Okay. All right, we are back with the newest episode of How to Be a Motherfucking Legend. We're keeping it healing. We're keeping it family. In the same living room where I was sitting with my dad maybe a month or two ago, I'm now sitting with my brother, Victor. Hey, how's it going? It's going great, man. It's great to have you out here. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. This is Victor's first trip to... California. This is his first trip west of Louisiana. And we're in a little while going to go to his first concert ever, Erica Badu downtown. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yes, sir. Yeah, that should be pretty dope. So Victor and his sister, our sister Victoria and our brother Blake are from my dad's third marriage and I'm from my dad's first marriage. So there's like a like 11 year, 10 and a half year like age difference. Mm-hmm. So we didn't grow up together and for the most part we haven't really been connected. But uh you were recounting one of your earlier memories. You want to share? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So even though we weren't that connected, uh Design used to come by the house every now and then and I had to be in I think elementary school. And um it's funny because this is like the most vivid memory I have of us. And I just remember him asking me, um, what's cooler than being cool? And I was so confused. Like, I was just a little kid. Like, what, <laughs> like, what are you asking me? He looked at me. He was like, ice cold. And he had a smile on his face. And I could tell he was waiting for me to, like, say something back. But I didn't know. And then, of course, it's the, it's the outcast lyric. And then, like, a, a few days later, I heard the song. And I was just like, man, he probably thinks I'm... <laughs> I'm silly that I didn't know the one of those popular songs of Outkast, but that's like one of my most vivid memories of like us, and it was like us in our basement. Um, but yeah, we didn't really see each other that much outside of that. I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I love that story. I don't remember that, but um, I love hearing it, and I love that the Outkast through Atlanta is like a unifying thing. And my earliest memories when you were a baby, I remember. I think it was when I used to go over to dad's house in Stone Mountain when he lived there and you were a baby and I remember like I walked in through the garage and then you were sitting like in like a like kind of like a high chair or something like that you know like oh wow yeah and and I just remember like like we we looked at each other and I was like who the fuck is that <laughs> <laughs> And I just remember the look on your face, you know? And it was like, you kind of looked at me like, who the fuck is that too? Yeah, and I just remember it was such a strange feeling because I had been an only child for my whole life, you know, the whole like 12 years of my life up until then. So like having a brother was a was a new thing. I'm glad to have one. Yeah, I'm glad to have you too, brother. Yeah. So it is, is it the day after Christmas? Yes, today is the 26th. No, 27th. 27th. Oh, man. Yeah. So it's, it's a couple of days after Christmas. 
And Victor just got here a few hours ago, so we were kind of recounting our Christmas experiences. And, you know, I was telling him, I didn't go home. I stayed out in Los Angeles this year. But I kind of had a profound experience because on, well, growing up, as I said, I was the only child, not only of my mom and dad, but in my whole family because my uncle had kids, but not for like about 10 years later. So about the first like 10 or 12 years of my life, you know, we had a big family, but I was the only child. So Christmas was a big deal and I would be all excited about getting my gifts and like, it would be hard for me to go to sleep and I would wake up really early and then I would wake up and like run downstairs and tear up all the presents and stuff like that. And I was saying it was like cool, but it was also a little bit of a strange vibe. There was like a, a funny energy to it because, um, you know, my dad wasn't there. He's never participated, you know, cause they were, had gone their separate ways by then. And I was the only kid, so there were no other kids around. So I got a ton of presents, but I feel like part of it was like, <laughs> like almost like bribery or like, or like making up for guilt of, of, uh, the lack of like family connection through like material things. And I don't even know if it was conscious. I don't think they were like, we're gonna buy this kid stuff. I think it just probably felt bad uh-huh. about the situation and we're like overcompensating through material gifts. And I was telling Victor, I had like every video game system invented, you know, like the Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo. I remember I had the glove. I, I don't know if you that. remember. Remember I that. do remember that. Yeah, because yeah. you had that. You had that one, and you had like Duck Hunt. And I remember at the time that yeah. was like yeah. the thing, man. Yeah. yeah, that was the game. Yeah, yeah. So like all that stuff is cool, but I was saying it's like you know, and this is the true of life in general. Is it's not necessarily the material things that really fulfill us. You know, they they're obviously added comfort to life, but like the core is connection and family and all that stuff. So this year I stayed in LA and a few days before Christmas, I was like, you know what? I think I want to get a bike. And right when I moved to LA, like a little over a year ago, I got this bike from this really cool bike place called Linus Bikes in Venice. And they had these really beautiful um, bikes and this one's black and I had it. And I was loved it. I was so happy when I moved to LA and I was like riding my bike around and then it got stolen and I was like kind of bummed out, but kind of let it go. And I haven't had a bike for like the last 10 months. And I was like, you know what? It's time for me to get a bike again. And um, I went and they didn't have the bike that I wanted in stock. So I got them to make it for me. And the woman was like, it'll be ready sometime after Christmas before New Year's. And then on Christmas Eve, she called me and she was like, your bike's ready. You know, you can come pick it up. And I was so happy and I went and picked up my bike and rode home. And the next morning I was here by myself, but I got up early on Christmas and took like almost a three hour bike ride like down the coast and really tapped into the heaven frequency within. And it felt like it was the culmination of all the internal healing work I've been doing over the past few years, you know, trying to make sense of my life and the pain that I've been in. And I was fully in that dimension. And I know when I was younger, I used to think that heaven was a place you went after you died if you were good. But I don't believe that now. I believe that, you know, we're eternal beings and 
there's nothing we can do in this plane that's ever going to affect that. Like, we're always going to go home. Everything is going to be forgiven. You know, everyone is blessed. But you can experience a heaven vibration on earth in your human form if you know how to tap into that frequency. And I was fully in that frequency riding the bike down the coast, and I just felt really blessed. And then, you know, I rode back to my house, and because my creative child was feeling very nurtured, my inner child, I made this really dope-ass video, which will probably be live by the time you're listening to this, but it's a video explaining the virtual 10-week course that I'm offering in January to help people tap into their inner genius, because everyone has genius, because genius is a frequency you tap into. It's not like a person is a genius. It's a way of being and existing in the world, and everyone is special, Everyone has great things to offer, and I want to help support people to express that. So what I realized and what I was conveying was that I was my own parent and I was my own child. Like I exhibited both poles of the spectrum, and I was able to have that polarity within myself, which is like self-realization, right? Which for me is the goal of everything because you can't, help anyone else until you help yourself it's just like when you're on the airplane they say put the mask on first on yourself then you can put it on other people and it's like i put it on myself then now i can reconnect with my dad and now that's facilitated this connection with with you so you know we just keep spreading out and it feels very organic and like it's flowing and i feel extremely grateful for that yeah for sure it feels like a snowball almost like like, um, because actually, essentially, um, just like you said, um, you have to help yourself first before you can help others. And um, seeing or hearing the video of you and dad really triggered, um, I think, the beginning of my process. I mean, it's something I've been going through for a while. Um, I've always had like a longing and um, just a pain and like, I wasn't really understanding, but I didn't really dive into that Um, but after hearing how your story led you to your healing with dad it really pushed me to like take the next step and i'm sure you remember that was i i ended up texting you and then i i was about to like say i was gonna call him that weekend but then i ended up picking up the phone right then and there to call you because like something like pushed me to to get to that point to be like okay this is something that um, I really want to get through and figure out. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been pretty amazing. It's been pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, I already know about your journey, but maybe you can share more about how your journey has been the last like month or a couple months. Last okay, so last month. Um, so I guess we'll start with for simplicity um, with the podcast. So I heard the podcast, and then like I said, I, I gave you a call. And we had a long conversation. Um, I don't remember how long, but um, I kind of just expressed how I was feeling to you, um, how I was feeling kind of like lost and hurt and how I really liked what you were doing and what you had accomplished with like dad and knowing that I wanted to to get to that point. Um, and then you kind of gave me a few recommendations. Um, started listening to actually your podcast a lot more. 
um, kind of created a morning routine where well, I'm in medical school, um, if anybody doesn't know. So I usually, um, up until I say recently, I kind of let school be my excuse to not deal with personal issues. Um, so I would always just wake up and I'd be studying all day and I might work out, but I would always make school the forefront. And that has been a lot of different things in my life, but at that point in time, it was school. Um, so then I decided that, okay, if this is something I really want to do, I need to start carving out time to, to really deal with it and make progress and figure it out, um, just like I'd invest in anything else. Um, so I started listening to your podcast. I actually started um, journaling every morning and stretching every morning. Um, and I started reading The Artist's Way again, which is a book I you had recommended recommended to me a, a while back, but I didn't really um, commit to it. So this time I had a more more of a commitment and started doing basically those, those simple things every morning. Um, it was really interesting because it, it sounds like those really simple things, like it was really just journaling, you know, and I started having more conversations with you, listening to your podcast. And I just slowly started feeling like a shift inside of me and what happened was I, I guess, I was able to start being honest with myself. Um, and I think the journaling was a big part of that because it's, you kind of just put your thoughts out there like uninhibited. And that was when I realized that, you know, I wasn't a whole lot of pain. And I, I think about, I thought about a lot of things I had been through, like my past relationships and, you know, friendships that I kind of pushed away and my family, even the relationship with my mother, my sister, my brother wasn't exactly where I wanted it to be. And um, kind of just went back to a manifestation or kind of like a projection of that pain I had been harboring. And it was like manifesting in like different ways in my life. Um, and just kind of like accepting it. And that was really big for me because for a while I kind of used to, I guess, like bury it and act like it didn't happen. And I felt like I could just um, live my life just as if I pretended it didn't happen long enough that eventually I would, you know, be okay. But it always would resurface in different ways, triggered by different things. Um, and then it's like after I recognized it, um, I kind of, well, there's a few things. I, I, this has been a journey I've been on for a while. I would say this has kind of been like the most, like it's kind of been like a breaking, breakthrough point, I guess. But um, I guess kind of learning from like all the teachings I've gathered, like, up until this point, like, I feel like it kind of prepared me for that point in my life. And I realized that, like, okay, this is something I need to accept and then forgive. And then that way, once I do those two things, I can move on and not have those things affect my life the way it has been. Because I knew that I didn't want to continue living my life with that holding me back. And 
I also felt like it applied to everything, you know? And it's like, I was doing it. I mean, my father was a big thing in my life, but I feel like there was a lot of things in my past that I was letting hold me back for one reason or the other. Um, so it started with um, actually me reaching out to my father. Um, I hadn't really talked to him in a long, long time. I can't even remember. I think last time I saw him was my sister's graduation from high school, which was, that was 2013, I think. And even then, that was a very short encounter. Um, and just really, um, try to humanize the situation, I guess. Like when I thought about um, some of my previous relationships, I thought about how I had hurt people that I cared about. And it wasn't that like I didn't care about them, it's just from where I was at at the time, I was acting in a way that was hurting people. And that wasn't my intention. And it was like I kind of was able to realized that that's kind of what happened with my father. You know, he wasn't really like, he was just, he's just who he is. And he was acting from where he was at. And I just, I am his son. And those things, some of those things affected me. But does that mean he's a bad person or like a monster? Cause that's kind of how I saw him. No, it's kind of just like he was acting from where he was at at the time. And that was the past. And it's like to allow something like a mistake somebody made to like define them isn't really fair because I wouldn't want that done to me. So um, having that realization definitely helped like humanize him. And then when I took that step, it kind of allowed me to, okay, let me try to get to know this person then because I never really got to know this person because I had dehumanized him for whatever reason. Um, so it started with just some, some text messages, kind of awkwardly. Um, they moved to like breakfast one day, and then, you know, a few conversations on the phone, and then we ended up going to a hot scan, which is actually really fun because um, that's something we used to do all the time, like when I was really little. So it felt really good to like do that again with him. Um, and then, yeah, I feel like, I mean, that's kind of the point we're at now, but definitely we've taken a lot of steps forward and like getting to know each other. But more importantly, I feel like I have been able to let go of a lot of the negative emotions and like pain that was holding me back before. Um, and like, I've just been like applying that same concept to like everything. And it's just, there's no reason to, to let like negative things that happen in your past, like dictate like your present. And yeah, it's like life's been pretty dope since. Like I know it's, it sounds like a very short time span, but I've definitely noticed a shift in like, just my day-to-day -day life, a shift in like how I interact with people. Um, it's just been, it's been pretty dope. I'm happy for you. Yeah. Yeah, it's very insightful and Again, I think it comes down to first and foremost, you know, our relationship with ourselves because all that anger and blame or whatever it is, 
is painful to us. Like it hurts to carry that stuff around. And, and like you said, it colors your other relationships, you know? It was like I had an abandonment wound, which you probably had as well, which would like manifest itself in like, you know, like in a relationship. If you, if you feel like someone's leaving you or giving less energy to the relationship, then this like, it would trigger this like really deep pain and, and you know, cause me to act out in unconscious ways, you know? And that was just my personal human struggle and like everyone has their own struggle like whatever their trauma comes from in the same way i can recognize and you can recognize that that didn't start with me it didn't start with our dad either you know and it didn't start with the person before them it's just like been going on for literally generations yeah you know it's like ancestral trauma that continues to go on until people decide to face it and choose to look at it in a new way you know, which is what we're doing. And that's, that's really the human journey. You know, we live in the third dimension where there's duality and contrast. So multiple realities are true at the same time, right? Like the glass is half full or half empty. You can see this person with blame or you can see them with compassion, you know? Mm-hmm. You can see them with anger, you can see them with love. Mm-hmm. So people, quote unquote, wronging us actually is the opportunity we need to choose those positive virtues which help us on our spiritual journey and when we choose those things we have a more elevated experience Mm -hmm. you know and it it does continue to ripple out you know like rippled out from me and to our dad and to you and then you're telling me about your your christmas experience oh yeah i had an amazing christmas man amazing christmas um my my parents separated also, um, so my dad, our dad is currently, um, so that would be his fourth, or are they married? I'm not sure. Yeah, he's on his, yeah. they're married, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, they separated when I was in middle school, and that same kind of pain that was well, me personally, um, it didn't really just leave like with him, it kind of like, took over like the house for me and it's like because even before like um he moved out because they separated before he moved out and it's like he took my room for like a few years and like so he was like staying in my room and I was just like on the couch and like it was a whole bunch of different things that like you know just things that happened you know and for me it left a very negative um view of like the house and up until like recently I used to always just try to avoid it. Like when I went home, I would always try to have one foot out the door and just like leave because it would bring back those memories and bring back that like trauma. Um, But like you were saying, like now that I've been able to deal with that, I was able to like look at like my family and I was like, it was just really interesting because on every holiday, we never stayed at our house. Like we always went to my uncle's house or went to my cousin's house or just went somewhere else. Like we never stayed at our house together. And it, it to me, I mean, I only can speak for me, but to me, it's, it seems like that was coming from a place of like all of us having that like pain there. So I told my mom, like this time I was like, I want us to, you know, have Christmas at the house. Like, why can't we just be like with each other and have a good time, man? 
you know, she got on board. And then once my brother heard I was staying in the house, he was like, okay, I won't go anywhere. Um, so it was like really nice for us to like actually just stay at the house. We watched like Christmas movies and like we had like our first family dinner in like over 10 years. Like I can't even remember the, the last time we used our dining room table and like it was, it was actually funny because it was like really awkward because we hadn't done it in such a long time. But um, just like, and I told my family, but I don't think they really felt like how serious I was. I was just like, I really do appreciate like just us being here and having dinner together. Cause that was like, to me, it felt like it was us saying like, okay, all this stuff did happen, but like we're here and we love each other and like we're past it. And it just felt like that was like the first time we did that. And it felt really cool. So yeah, because of that, my Christmas was like really, really dope, yeah. That's amazing, bro. Congratulations. Feels really good to hear that. And there's so much medicine in, in what you're saying, you know, for all of us. Yeah. Because everyone's been through so much trauma. And one thing I've learned on my journey is uh, Ho'oponopono. Have you heard of that? Mm -hmm. It's like the Hawaiian forgiveness prayer. It's, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Yeah, people say those four phrases in different ways, but that's the way I like to say it. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And it's really freeing you and everyone else from whatever like attachments you have to the pain and the trauma. And, and that sounds you know, what you went through sounds, you know, traumatic, like for real, you know, and I, I honor that. And it's not that it's not real. And it's not that it's not a process to like, let go of those things. But the process is worth it. You know, like, yeah, you're in California now, because you did. Yeah, literally, you know, and, and California is a intergalactic portal to the cosmos. Right. So like, Maybe you don't even know what that means yet, but by the time the trip is over, you'll know what <laughs> that means. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what my perspective is uh, after, for sure. You're in Dijon's dimension now, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, it's lit here. Oh yeah, I'm excited, man. I've, I've enjoyed, I haven't been here that long. I've already been enjoying the energy, so I'm yeah. sure it'll only keep getting better. Well, I think we're gonna do a two-parter for this one. This is how to Heal Your Ancestral Line, part one, with my bro Victor here. And we're going to go to Erica Badu because that's part of healing your ancestral line is seeing Erica Badu. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then we got five days of California living. And then we'll do another one. We'll do part two before you go back and uh, recap the epicness. Sounds good. All right. Much love. Peace. I so appreciate you being here. If you enjoy the energy that we are creating and building, share it with the homies. Take a screenshot, post it on your Instagram stories. Leave a five-star review on iTunes. Really, those five-star reviews are really going to help this get to more people. Just let people know about it. And if you ever want help going deeper into yourself, developing yourself, and doing that with a community and with guidance, 
head on over to programs.howtobeamotherfuckinglegend.com and we got you. Until next time, peace.